Hey everybody, welcome to the Root of All Culture. I'm your host, Darnell Welch, here to guide you through different conversations from various topics that speaks on the subtle space of social change. The focus of the podcast will be how dialogue through these conversations can enact inspirations, which will allow influences of a better tomorrow. Furthermore, within these topics that are chosen, they will be stripped by layers to introduce us to things that illustrate commonality among each other as well. Right before we get into today's topic, give you guys a few words from our sponsorships. We are back with another episode of The Root of All Culture. I'm your host, Darnell Welch, and going to kind of get right into it. Um, if you had the opportunity to listen to the previous episode, um, please give me an opportunity to just like, share, subscribe, comment, leave a review, things of that nature. But going right into it, um, from the previous episode when we were talking about breaks and and things of that nature and what kind of had transpired last year in regards to the COVID, you know, 19 thing, the outbreak that happened. I wanted to take this time to kind of dive in a little bit more of kind of just what transpired last year. You know, the thing that we all went through, not just with COVID and the pandemic, but more importantly, just some of the things that happened. Cause you know, a year ago, you know, COVID-19 hit us and left us in a, an unprecedented time, you know, dealing with a virus that we couldn't even know and or see. It was almost like an epi- the, the movie Bird Box and things of that nature. But it was more than just COVID being at the forefront, you know, like we lost some monumental people, you know, such as Kobe and things of that nature. Rest in peace to everybody that was involved in that death a year ago. We... Also got a firsthand look with how the government dealt with COVID when it happened. And overall, it just showed a lot of what we could have done as a people, as a nation, versus kind of what the future may hold and things of that nature. So, you know, speaking of COVID-19, but before we even get into that, like even with the fact that we're still in the midst of it, you know, I also want to talk about in this episode today, you know, with our new president, Joe Biden, kind of what, you know, what was this hundred days like so far and what he's accomplished and what he hasn't accomplished. And more importantly, you know, like I said, the root of every conversation that we have for each episode, there's always like a theme to it. And so, it's not just specifically looking at what he's done, but more in totality of looking at the leadership and more importantly, understanding the infrastructure of accountability, the, the ideology of, you know, making sure we hold our politicians accountable for taking, well, not taking, but we, we hold, we hold the people in, higher positions to make a change the people that can move the needle we we try to we have to make sure there's a there's a there's a important attribute or you know 
or or trait that allows us to feel as if we can trust this person in regards to being more accountable. So like, you know, what did he see that? What did he fail? And then like, like I said, more importantly, when we look at the landscape of politics and government or, or, or governance and things of that nature in regards to dealing with people and stuff, like how do we make them more account- accountable, especially as the climate and the tension within each and everybody continues to go higher. So I think first and foremost, I want to kind of just give a short review of what happened in 2020 and like, you know, just kind of what happened. So as you know, um, sometime around December, they said there was a public health um, emergency. Uh, actually, in January, it was a public health emergency in January. The government responds to it. I actually have the article. I have it linked in kind of the show description for you guys to kind of see what was transpired during that time. But basically, there was like, okay, this is a public health emergency. So you know, guys, be on your P's and Q's, try to take care of yourself, things of that nature. But it wasn't until a couple months after March happened, and basically it was a pandemic. It was named a pandemic given the fact that it was spreading rapid like wildfire, and it was taking the lives of a lot of people. I mean, we were looking at over, I want to say roughly around 50,000 deaths at one point and then it just kept rising up and then it was like a hundred thousand and still to this day we're more over than like 300,000 people who have died within that year once COVID kind of hit and the aftermath that kind of left us was rearranging our whole life around technology you know working from home online education and corporate jobs however like I said the whole spectrum of this this episode was looking at accountability were we were we always able and more so accountable to give people the opportunity to work from home because you can see this the work was never necessarily ending it just kind of evolved in a way where we you know zoom was such a big trend and you know if you're knowing into stocks and things of that nature i mean the way it rose to the top in regards and keeping people connected and, and and changing the infrastructure of how we interact with each other virtually was unparalleled. Um, Zoom does have its issues as usual, as most, you know, tech apps and things of that nature does. But this one was pretty interesting. Like I said, it was just, it left a lot of people questioning whether or not they were going to survive. I mean, there were clips and videos of when the, I remember when the pandemic hit where, you know, people were literally fighting over tissue paper. Like they were literally going to bat an all out war for tissue paper. I remember at the time when it happened, when I used to work at an apartment complex um, down in Tempe, Arizona. And when this happened, I remember just getting so many phone calls from parents saying that we should get a refund of our rent, things of that nature. And it's like, nowhere in the least says that you are going to get refunded for if a pandemic breaks out because we weren't ready for a pandemic like no one was really ready for a pandemic and through that also affected our education system because when you look at already some of you know the low-income neighborhoods or the places that um struggle with the resources that they need 
it made it very difficult. Like it amplified what already was a problem in regards to teaching kids and finding a balance of equity and equality of spreading the education throughout every grade and and child. But for me, I guess the best way we can look at it when we're, you know, just previewing, I'm not previewing, but reviewing kind of what happened last year is like, is our education system really that flawed to the point where unless if you have the resources, unless if you have the things that are able to set you up for success, then it addressed so many issues. So uh, actually last night I was actually watching a clip of this this teacher and he was taking his first grade class on a Zoom field trip and I was watching and he was so enthralled with his students and he was like so into, into it with his class and it was just like it kind of struck a chord in me because I was kind of like really sad because it's like you know people such as teachers and basically the essential workers the people that are continuing to find ways to keep the world together while the world is in shambles we pay them little to no mind we feel like you know because you work that job you should deserve everything that should be coming to you and stuff not stuff excuse me but everything, everything that should come to you, regardless of whatever things go your way. And it was just kind of like sad because like, for example, like teachers are so underpaid and we're in, in, and for us to go through this pandemic, right. And to see how much they mean to the communities. And I feel like once this, at some point when this pandemic is over, we're going to throw them back to the wayside like we usually have been for the last couple decades or so simply because, you know, that's their job they're supposed to. But it's like a lot of these teachers have master level education and they're getting paid like no degree salary. Like they're getting paid 25K a year to take care of your kids because you're incapable of doing so. So. And which makes a bigger picture of when we look at essential workers. I think before I leave this segment, I kind of want to give you guys that question. Like, how are we as an economy going to be capable of giving them a livable wage after what just transpired, after they, you know, essential workers went balls to the wall just to kind of help keep the mold of America together. So... I'll take a quick break and be right back in a a few seconds. What's up, everybody? We are back from the quick break. Um, Just going over as we continue the conversation from 2020, COVID, what transpired, things that that happened. Now we're in 2021 already, like kind of three months into it. And something to kind of give you guys just food for thought when you're looking at in totality of the pandemic, our economy, and kind of the future in the next few years and things of that nature. One of the things I kind of wrote down, because, you know, I'm sitting there 
gathering information and trying to figure out and learn and understand kind of the the climate that we're in and try to present this information to you guys. And one of the things that I really was genuinely asking is, you know, it's, it's cliche as it sounds, but one of the things that I do adamantly feel that we really should have this question is like, do we actually know when we're going to go outside? Because Joe Biden has expressed that if everybody gets vaccined at the pace that they're getting vaccined, which I'll kind of speak more about in the next segment, he has us predicting that we'll be out in July. And I, there's nothing wrong with that, but I, I feel like now with, there's been new information um, and I have a friend who actually lives in LA and he spoke about, you know, there's two new strands of COVID-19 that's kind of out in California. And I will fact check that if I'm wrong, things of that nature. If you uh, follow the podcast um, channel on Instagram, I, I'm trying to break down a new segment on the uh, channel, which I kind of explain a little bit more in a, in a, on a later episode. But he has us kind of in this space where we're supposed to be out in July. And I'm looking, I'm thinking, I'm like, the way everybody's interacting to this virus, it's like, one, a lot of people just seemingly don't care. And two, it it is more so the, the, the fabrication of a system that is very archaic and it's flawed because like I said before, when we look back and we review what happened in 2020, a lot of, a lot of the normal things that we do on our day-to-day basis, we never realized we didn't need or needed until this pandemic happened. So like, for example, when we look at the future of streaming and when the pandemic hit, how a lot of movie theaters like AMC was kind of going on in business, their stock was plummeting tremendously but then such streaming services like Hulu, Netflix, Disney Plus was at the centerfold of like movies and it just showed that we had this capability so when when we're looking at like I said working from home Zoom meetings, calls like my friend he actually um, is a social worker at a Los Angeles VA and for a while once the pandemic kind of broke out um, th- their job put a, some of their social workers on telecom I'm not specifically sure what that means but at that very moment it was kind of interesting because hearing him you know say if we could do this more often I think it would save a lot of people the sanity of having to go to work five times a week because he usually would go there three times out of the uh, three times out of the week, and the next two days kind of is to himself. So he'll work at home, do his you know meetings from home, things of that nature. And it and it's just so interesting to kind of see, will we ever have that luxury, excuse me, or that opportunity to do so in the near future? Like once the pandemic actually like kind of dies down. And with that being said. And with recent news of this surge, that's that's going to happen in the next few months. 
of COVID, I guess before I move on to the last segment, there's a question that I feel it's not like a overbearing question, but I do think, are we safe for now? Like, are we with where we're headed to and the direction that we're going? Do we really feel safe or is it just a figment of our own imagination in regards to we're going to live our life because we're in America and because we're Americans, we should do what we want and we're going to abide by everything in the constitution. But I'm going to take a quick break and get back to you guys at the last segment. Here we go. Last segment for the episode. And this is kind of looking over, it's kind of more so of an overview of President Joe Biden's 100 days, what he's done, what he's accomplished, and what does that actually look like when we when we talk about in regards to politics and, 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 and government and how they play a pivotal part in our lives, not at just a federal level or like a national level or however you want to say it, but like our state and local levels. So when we look at Biden's, you know, plan for the first 100 days, he had a heavily policy focused campaign. And it was a when he released it, it was a dozen of lengthy and ambitious plans ranging from large-scale economic and environmental initiatives to broad actions on racial justice, education, and health care. So with that, there was kind of more so of a significant amount through his 100 days that he made a, I won't say made apparent, but he made it he made it transparent. That's the word. Excuse me. He made it transparent by kind of either reversing or updating the positions taken by the Trump administration, especially well, if you're being specific in regards to immigration and, and foreign policy. And so when we look at him heading into the office and what he's done within the last several days so far, we kind of have to look at, you know, the way he addressed the COVID-19 crisis and his distribution of the vaccine in regards to everything that kind of had in there. And I will will post a, I'll have a link under in the description that would speak about, you know, what all his plans actually entailed. So in hindsight, what did he accomplish so far in the hundred days? So when we look at it, he was for finally, the stimulus checks came through because Lord Jesus, people were struggling, struggling. Now, in regards to the stimulus check, I did take into consideration that this is the only stimulus check that for a lot of us will ever see. And it bothers me that a country who is so in the forefront of a free nation is basically the laughing stock of taking care of its own community and its people because There's countries around this world that when the pandemic hit, were receiving $2,000 checks. 
every month to keep them afloat. And we're here scratching and clawing and you got lawmakers who are fighting in Congress to basically show us we deserve the crumbs and morsels of of life. And, you know, for me, that doesn't sit well with me. Another thing that he has accomplished is with the distribution of the vaccine, he has reached 100 million. Well, he said he the quote that I kind of um, took from a reading that I stumbled across was Biden has promised to deliver 100 million shots in the first 100 days in office. But he says now he thinks he'll hit that mark on the 60th day in office. Biden made the remarks in a national address on Thursday, and this was Thursday of last week that he made this statement or either the week beforehand, he made the statement. And so he's on pace to reach a hundred million before his 60th day, which is a big thing in regards to trying to get everybody vaccinated so we can kind of fight back the vaccine. And third, which is a big thing that I kind of wanted to write down because I know I have a couple of friends who are part of the dreamers program, DACA, things of that nature. And I have another quote in regards to immigration. Speaking at the White House, Mr. Biden said, we're going to work to undo the moral and national shame of the previous administration that literally not figuratively ripped children from the arms of their families, their mothers and fathers at the border and with no plan, none whatsoever to reunify the children who are still in custody and their parents. And that's a pretty big thing. And like I said, the whole conversation in totality is being held accountable. And knowing what that is. Now, with that, I've already spoken about one of the things he didn't accomplish, which is he only gave us a one-time stimulus check. The other thing that I want to, in regards to accountability, and this will probably be more looked into in regards to the conversation of immigration and, and how we we all play a part into helping migrant people is that they tried to justify twists that reuniting some of these parents and these kids and having these kids held in tents aren't the same as what they were dealing with in the president I mean, uh, the former president Trump's administration and what they were doing with the kids and in honesty it's still the same thing like there's nothing different there's nothing that separates the two because one one lives in cozy air-conditioned tents versus, you know, in cages. And I get it. People are going to try to flip this or twist it into a way where it's like, you know, they weren't sleeping on the ground. They weren't, you know, eating trash or being molested and things of that nature. But it's still, you're still holding these people captive, basically. And your plan has to be, your plan has to be more decisive and really not decisive, but I will say they have to be more concrete in addressing how you're going to reunite these families. And more so, how are we going to look at the way we help migrant people become citizens of the U.S.? One thing that I will say that we have made up, they are in works, and if not, they've passed a bill that allowed farm workers to a right of citizenship, which I think is a huge deal, right? So if we can get that on the board of, you know, our students, 
who go to colleges, things of that nature, it would be monumental in shaping the way we deal with immigration. But the bigger conversation, and like I said, those topics that are on such a federal, you know, national level that oftentimes we overlook, dare I say, the lack of accountability in our state and local level. And with that, I think that's a good time to kind of leave you guys with something to think of. And I guess the question, what I would say, what does that say about the lack thereof of accountability when I speak of some of the things that he hasn't done yet or he may not do? So the other thing that I said that I feel adamant as somebody who has a a steep um, student loan debt, right? And there has been legitimate research that's provided us to speak on. And, and, and for me, student loans is a big thing. I actually have an episode um, in my previous season, in season one, that talks about how much student loans could really boost the economy if we got rid of them and we eradicate student loans to allow kids because you're starting to see more millennials become home buyers, but it's also a difficult thing for them to become home buyers because when you have a $150,000 student loan debt, then you can't get approved to get a mortgage, things of that nature, and it makes it almost a struggle. So one of the things that I definitely want to leave you guys and ask yourself when you're going out there and you're wanting to make change, look at look at your local and state level and try to understand the fabrication of their jobs and see if the things that needs to be done in your neighborhood has been done. If not, has there, like I said, what does it say about the lack thereof of accountability within our leaders or the, uh, what does it say about the accountability or the lack thereof of it within our leaders? Because oftentimes when we don't hold these people's feet to the fire they're just gonna continue to do what they've always been doing which is use us as guinea pigs to experiment do things in regards to um passing new bills that don't really benefit us or i know i have a great friend of mine she for years was helping try to make downey a more eco-friendly transportation place because they were trying to basically um demolish the biggest thing was they were trying to demolish and add in a new highway that was going to ruin that neighborhood and that family. And I'll have more details on that on a later episode on how construction and things of that nature in regards to, you know, adding new infrastructure things that change the landscape of how people live and and how sometimes a great example would be when we built Pfizer Forum in here in Milwaukee, how the rent prices closer near downtown or the prices in downtown Milwaukee or the surrounding areas that's close to downtown kind of rose up because of that. And it put a lot of people who were already struggling to afford living down there basically had to relocate to the outer suburbs, a.k.a. what we all know and call that is gentrification. But with that, I am going to log off and go into the uh, ad break after this.
Hey everybody, it's your host again here for the Root of All Culture. Thank you guys for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to all platforms where podcasting is available. And if you want to support it, please share it with others, post it on your social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch me on my personal account, you can follow me on Instagram at D-A-R-R-N-E-L-L Welch. I have two R's in my first name. And the same thing is on Twitter. You can also catch my latest update for the podcast itself. And that on Instagram, it's at root of all culture, all lowercase. And on Twitter, it's capital C U L T U R 3, capital R O O T S. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.